0: Yeah. A tēnā tātou katoa, e hui mai e nei tēnei ata, greetings to all of you who have gathered here this morning. And haere mai, welcome to the Learns What's the plan stand field trip. Just before we kick into formal proceedings, uh, we'll begin with a karakia. Unuhi e te pō, te pō ki marama. Unuhi e te pō, te pō huri marama. Tātai kerunga, tata kerāro, tata ahurau. Humi e hui e taikie. I'm Andrew, the Learns Field Trip teacher, and uh, we're a little bit late starting this morning, but uh, we're online now. And we've got, we're at Matata School in the Bay of Plenty, Wairiki, and a bit wet outside. You may have seen before on the Learns on Location cam, it was a bit of rain. We're hoping that'll pass because this morning we're joined by Graham Leonard uh, from GNS Science, and Graham will introduce him self in just a moment Uh, i'll just introduce you to some ambassadors we've got with us Uh, we've got eddie the feel (laughs) my ambassador we've got tiaki from saint joseph's school in opotiki And a special guest, Stan the dog. This is Stan Jr. Of course, what's the plan, Stan? All about emergency preparedness. And as I said before, we've got Graham Leonard from GNS Science. Graham, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the work that you
1: do? Hello folks, I'm Graham. So I'm I'm a volcanic geologist and tsunami scientist at GNS Science. I, uh, I make maps and I work on on warning systems and talk to people about how to be prepared for earthquakes and tsunami and volcanic eruptions. And it's it's a real pleasure to be with you this morning. Hopefully, I can help answer some of your questions and uh, talk about earthquakes and especially tsunami today. Kia ora. Kia, ora.
0: Kia ora, Graham. Yeah. So today we're kind of focusing on tsunami. Uh, if you have any burning questions in other areas, uh, Graham will do his best to answer those questions, but. We are focused on that, you know, so Graeme can answer questions around tsunami science and that preparedness aspect, which is really one of the key focus for for our week this week, given that it's New Zealand shakeout, our earthquake-drawn tsunami hikoi on Thursday. So we've got Collingwood Area School joining us this morning online, so that's really great. Awesome to have you guys with us. And uh, have you guys got any questions you'd like to start us off with?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself, uh, just your first name, that would be really great so we know who we're speaking with. Hi, I'm
1: Marianne. Mary Ann. Mary? Mary Ann. Mary Ann, nice. got ora, Mary Ann.
0: Where in
1: New Zealand are the tsunami theory. sirens? Mm, where in New Zealand are tsunami sirens? There are a few places around the country that still have tsunami sirens, but actually, the most useful and widespread way of getting a tsunami alert now is in your pocket and in your mum and dad's pocket. So, for the last two almost three years now we've had what are called emergency mobile alerts for the whole country on our phones and that will send a warning if there's a tsunami coming from far away straight to your phone and it's not like a text message where it might have a bit of a delay it goes to every phone in the whole country at the same time so that's called an emergency mobile alert or an ema we test it every year in november there's probably going to be a test next month does anyone remember that noise on the phone last year. Does anyone remember an emergency mobile alert coming in last year? Mm-hmm. So keep your ears open late next month for the for the test. But the really important thing for you to remember is that's if the tsunami is coming from far away across the Pacific and, and you don't feel any other sign. But who knows what the sign for a tsunami that might be coming is, if it's coming from close by.
0: Barry's
1: got his hand up. Let's leave it to one of the kids, Barry.
0: If the sea goes out really far, then um, you need to go really far
1: away from the sea because it will come back in a tsunami. That's right. Unusual ocean behavior is definitely a sign. If you see something unusual or, or the sea suddenly rushing in as well, half the time it rushes in, half the time it rushes out. But even more than that, what might give you a little bit of earlier warning than seeing something or hearing something in the ocean? Barry's got his hand up again it's something to do with an earthquake that's right and do you can you tell me what kind of earthquake is the kind of earthquake that's a tsunami warning that earthquake that's out in the sea yeah yep
0: they're kind of onto it aren't they? they're kind of
1: onto it the uh you you may not know when you feel an earthquake whether it's coming from out in the ocean or not the main thing is if it's a big earthquake, if it's long, longer than a minute or strong, so it's, it's kind of hard to stand up. It doesn't have to be both, but if it's long or strong, you need to evacuate immediately because a tsunami might be on the way. And every meter that you walk and run inland and every minute that you get moving counts. Yeah.
0: So the, the saying is if it's long or strong, be gone. And you'll hear more of that um, throughout the field trip. Hey guys, um, that's a great discussion to get us started. with right into the nitty gritty of it all straight away. Got any other questions for us, Collingwood? Hi, I'm Grace, and I want to know where in New Zealand are tsunami at highest risk? Like where in New Zealand? Are oh, yeah, great the question. Highest.
1: Good question, Grace. Thank you. So. All of New Zealand is at risk of tsunami around the coast. All of the coastline of New Zealand is at risk of tsunami. Some areas might receive bigger tsunami than other areas. Generally, the east side of both the North and South islands can see bigger tsunami, but anywhere in New Zealand can receive a tsunami. And the reason the east side of New Zealand might get bigger tsunami is it's facing out to the Pacific Ocean and all the way around the ocean, you have a Pacific ring of fire, which is a zone of earthquakes, volcanoes, and also possibly tsunami. So the east side can get bigger tsunami, but all of New Zealand might get a tsunami. And it's really important to know that if you're in a coastal area.
0: Mm. Yeah. If you look on a map, <laughs> this is the outline of the whole of the
1: country. Yes, exactly. Like, like
0: a tsunami zone map, it's, it's everywhere. But interesting, yeah, that eastern side. So where's Collingwood, top of the south? They're kind of in
1: the middle. How close are you to the ocean in Collingwood?
0: We're right on the
1: coast. You're right there. Mm. So the way to find out if you're in a tsunami zone is to go to your local civil defence website and Google or do the search on their website for tsunami evacuation maps or you follow the links in their website for your tsunami evacuation maps. And they'll show you the zones that a tsunami might get to. And when you feel that long or strong earthquake, or you get a tsunami warning, you need to, you you and your your, your school or your family need to evacuate straight out of that zone straight away. Don't, don't wait for anything. And uh, are we able to, later in the, uh, in the course, we'll be able to get links and things. Eh? Mm. So we've got links, uh, a link to, NEMA, the National Emergency Management Agency's website and there's a bunch of links there for the tsunami zones for the whole country, so we'll add those.
0: Yeah, well NEMA's linked to on the homepage of the website. Great. Okay, uh, that's great. Thank you, Grace. And uh, any other questions, Collingwood? Hi.
1: Um, how is a tsunami created by a meteorite? Hmm. Tsunami you're onto it. Tsunami can be created by meteorites and probably some of the biggest tsunami ever have happened in geological past from meteorites hitting the earth. But we don't think they happen very often or they're not very big very often. But uh, you, you, you might remember the, um, the leading theory for the extinction of the dinosaurs is from a, a meteorite hitting the earth. Do people, do people remember that? well that would that hit an area that's probably got ocean as well and that would have generated a huge tsunami but that was many tens of millions of years ago so the tsunami you were likely to see in your lifetime will be in the order of meters to tens of meters high when they run up onto the land and that's why it's really important to know those tsunami evacuation zones because they tell you how far inland or how high you need to get to get away from that zone
0: yeah Yes, we hope we're not going to get hit by meteorites anytime soon. Um,
1: it's pretty unlikely, but it's pretty exciting to hear about. I thought I saw a meteorite the
0: other night. It was just a sprint of satellites. Oh, really? Sky. Mm. Collingwood, another question.
1: <laughs>
0: Any other questions, Collingwood? No more questions, um, so we are in of uh, Plenty region, uh, Wairiki, and now, Graham, you're a scientist, so you study, study things that have happened in the past, you know, and um, look at the geology of land to see where there might have been previous earthquakes and tsunami. What sort of evidence around this area has have scientists found that can prove that there have been tsunami
1: in the past? It's a great question. So tsunami come from the ocean and they bring with them whatever is in the, the shallow uh, beach or underwater uh, ocean bottom near the shore. And when they rush on shore, they are a mix of sand and shells and pieces of rock and everything. It gets picked up as they're coming towards the, the, um, towards the land. So what we're looking for on land is some type of unusual deposit near the coast that's made up of the type of stuff that should be offshore, not, mm. not on land. And all around the, the North Island, there are spots where the geologists who look for that kind of deposit have found very unusual beds with shells and the type of little marine sediments that a tsunami has dropped, either up, perched up high on a hill perched up are really good places to look in swamps near the coast because they wash into swamps and normally you've got layers of of peat and mud in swamps and if they drill a core down through them they'll find these layers of shell and sand and those are probably tsunami deposits. So that's how we know there have been many, many, many tsunamis that have hit the Bay of Plenty coast and all of the coast of New Zealand. It's from, from drilling cores and swamps mostly all around the country. So, um, so Graham's talking. You're talking about drilling
0: a core. So mm-hmm. that's a special machine yeah. that takes like a tube of 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 the earth, and and, and you can see the layers yeah. built up over time.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, you don't have to go very deep. Maybe a few meters. So we've got a a metal rod with a handle on it, and at the bottom is a tube, and you just push and screw that into the swamp. Swamps are pretty soft and you might add a few more tubes to go down a bit deeper. And then a few people or, or a cable you use to pull it back up out of the ground, because it's quite heavy. And inside that tube is a, is a little cylinder of, uh, of the swamp. And, and we're looking for those layers of shells and things that have come from offshore that tell us that there have been past tsunami. And we can actually carbon date the swamp, either side of that, to find out how old that bit of swamp is and therefore how long ago that tsunami was. And so in these core samples, have you seen evidence of not one, but two, or maybe more? Yeah, several or even dozens when you look back, you know, thousands or 10,000 years.
0: And what sort of time period do you get between these events?
1: Well, we're really not that sure with the biggest ones, but it's probably the very biggest ones are every one or 2,000 years. That's kind of the size that we saw in Japan in 2011 with the Great East Japan earthquake and tsunami and in the Indian Ocean in 2004. So New Zealand can get tsunami as big as those two huge events in the last 20 years, but they're probably in the order of every 1,000 or 2,000 years. But that doesn't mean you don't need to be prepared because we have seen tsunami in our lifetimes and there have been smaller tsunami arrive even in your lifetimes already. And in the next 50 years, there's a a real chance of, of, of intermediate size or even those rare big ones. So you need to be prepared and you need to evacuate on that long or strong earthquake straight away, just in case a tsunami is on the way.
0: How far inland do these travel?
1: The biggest tsunami, so I went to Japan. I I went up to uh, Tohoku, the coast of Japan, impacted by the tsunami with one of my students, Stuart. We went up there in 2011 after the tsunami. and We looked at all the places that had been impacted And the tsunami went up to five or six kilometers inland across flat ground. And in the steepest parts of northern Honshu, in the northern part affected, they went up to 35 meters above the ocean where they pushed up on steep coastal cliffs. And we use that data we collected there to help calibrate the tsunami zones you see today in your communities all around New Zealand. Right, so
0: you're looking at a recent large event and then estimating basically how high you need to go. That's right, high or ground. how
1: far inland. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. the, if you haven't got high ground, it's about heading inland.
0: And so that's part of how you do the, the, the tsunami zone maps. Exactly.
1: Yeah, we work out height, but also distance. Yeah.
0: So Collingwood Area School, do you guys know, uh, do you have a, a zone where you go to? Do you practice a drill, a hikoi to your tsunami safe zone? The
1: school is up on the hill. Right. Oh, so you're in a safe zone. That's great. Yeah. Well, you might have people from the coast come up to your school and to your neighborhood. So you're part of you're part of keeping those people safe, even if you don't have to evacuate yourselves. Mm. Hey, um, you guys, any other questions that have popped up during this
0: conversation, Collingwood? Are you guys doing shakeout this week? You're gonna practice drop cover hold? Yep, that's great. It's Always really good to great to
1: see shakeout happening every year because earthquake preparedness is critical in New Zealand. We, we've got earthquakes that can happen everywhere in the country, so everyone really needs to know about Drop, cover, hold.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I was in Christchurch when the Darfield, which was the, basically the first Christchurch earthquake, um, which was centred in Darfield in South Canterbury, when that hit in 2010, September, I think. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going on. It was the middle of the night, and I'd never experienced an earthquake before. I had no idea what to do. I didn't even know what it was until my wife said, it's an earthquake. And the first thing I thought about was standing in a doorway. Um, And I couldn't do that very well, because you can't stand up very well in a big earthquake. So um, we promptly ran out of the room to go and check on uh, children and forgot there was actually um, a child in our bed, so left the youngest behind. And so I, I was freaked. I was freaked out, and it was in a panic is not a good state to be in. And so when you know what to do, um, obviously experience helps, but just practicing to the point where you can do it automatically, it's so helpful because when the next big earthquake hit in February, and uh, I was in the same office as Barry. And I knew exactly what to do because, okay, yes, I'd had that experience. and knew what an earthquake was, but I'd been practicing drop, cover, hold. And so I automatically did it. As soon as that hit, boom, I, was, I dropped to the floor and I was covering with because I had a big desk in the office and holding onto it. And I tell you what, I needed to, every bit of that hold that I had because we were shaking a lot. So it was really good. So practicing is just is so important. So Barry was uh, just uh, wanting to know, Graham, what the most recent tsunami to hit New Zealand was.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Well, the most, the most recent tsunami has been in the last couple of years, but they've been small enough that we only see them on the tide gauges. Mm. That's our most sensitive tsunami meter. And if you go on the Geonet website, so at GNS Science, we host Geonet, And one of the things we look at a tsunami, you can see the tide gauges from a whole bunch of them around the country. And normally you can just see the tide on them, but every now and then when there's been a big earthquake offshore, you see a little wiggle and that's a tsunami. The last one that did some damage happened during a big earthquake really close to and onshore in New Zealand. Can anyone remember what earthquake that was? That was the- It was in 2016. 2016. It was in Kaikoura. And it was actually it it ruptured more than a dozen faults all the way from North Canterbury right up through Kaikoura. And some of that rupture of those faults was offshore. And so it generated a tsunami and actually did a little bit of damage down in Banks Peninsula. Banks Peninsula went through somebody's house or batch. Hmm. It's a good example to explain how earthquake generates tsunami. Earthquakes happen on fault lines and if it's offshore and the fault line breaks enough to move the seabed up or down you've moved the water that's great yeah yeah show them my hands so if it breaks the seabed in a fault line enough to move the water above it it happens really quickly and the ocean on top moves up as well and so it has to level itself back out and the tsunami is just the ocean leveling itself back out after it's been pushed up or pulled down in an earthquake. So in that Kaikoura earthquake, that happened just offshore of Kaikoura. And then it leveled itself out and and pushed a tsunami around the coast. It happened in in Wellington. We saw it rush up over the beaches where I live in Wellington Mm. and all the way down to Banks Peninsula where it got funneled into a valley and a little bit of damage to a house.
0: Mm. Yeah, so there you go. Um, So just, um, what's the most recent big tsunami do you
1: tsunami that could have destroyed buildings. I can see that one. The, the, the mm-hmm. most recent widespread damage was in the 1960 tsunami, which came from Chile. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's 60 years ago. Uh, that happened at low tide luckily in New Zealand. When it arrived, it took, it takes about 10 or 12 or more hours for a tsunami to come across the ocean all the way from Chile. And when it arrived, luckily it landed on low tide, but it still did damage to buildings all around the east coast of New Zealand. And if it had come in on high tide, it probably would have been really dangerous Mm. and dangerous to people's lives. It was such a wake-up call that New Zealand's modern uh, link with all of the other countries around the Pacific to create a warning system called the Pacific Tsunami Warning System. We joined that after that 1960 tsunami because we saw the damage that happened in that event.
0: Hey, um, Collingwood, if there's, if there's no other questions, um, we have got. We have to be somewhere at 10 o'clock. So um, we're happy to leave it there. And we were a bit late starting. But I'll just give you a couple of seconds if you've got any last questions. None. Well, that's good. And it's, it's great to hear you guys are uh, doing a bit to to practice and be prepared for an emergency event like an earthquake or tsunami. So good luck with that. And uh, you can join us again tomorrow on the web conference. So we've got, we're talking more about earthquakes tomorrow. So maybe you could do a bit of reading on the website today and come prepared with some questions uh, to look at earthquake science or, or earthquake preparedness. And remember this web conference is recorded as well. So um, you can listen to it. Um, later there will be a link on the web conferences page of the website and then of course our, our last web co- conference is on 10 30 uh, at 10 30 on Thursday and that will be after shakeout so you're welcome to come and join us for that web conference as well and and share how your event went so um,
1: that'd sorry that'd be great thank
0: you yeah that'd be great to see you and you got the link. Yeah, that's great. Well you guys have, have a good day. We'll see you next time. See you later. Bye. That brings the web conference to an end. Kā kī